Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk to Mike Claiborne. Always good to listen to Mike Claiborne on the Cardinal broadcast as they take on the athletics this week at the ballpark. And when we have Mike Claiborne on Tuesdays, it's one of my favorite segments of the week. And he's with us now on the Celebrity Line. Claves, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well, especially after last night's game. Yeah, I was a little concerned. Yeah, that one could have gotten away. And I, w- I was telling the guys I was listening to you and, uh, and Ricky in the seventh. And you- <laughs> well, what, what did you start talking about? You started, to- oh, you started talking about Mark McGuire wearing number 25 to distract yourself from what was going on on the field. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things weren't going in the right direction. And so I looked down, and they, got, they have a guy wearing 25. And I thought McGuire was, was you know... So I just want to start talking about that because I was afraid of what was about to happen. Okay? <laughs> and uh, then it did. Because, you know, Oakland's only won 33 games this year, all right? And I think sometimes they, they probably have won when teams have taken their eye off the ball. You know, they have some good players, but they just don't have enough developed players. And, you know, those are the teams that scare you, man. I mean, so in the way we've been playing, you know, we, we, we play well against good competition. It's the teams like Oakland that we have a problem with. And, that was a little bit of a concern. So, fortunately, they had a guy wearing McGuire's old number, and that, that got me through the inning. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> That's a great approach. Claves, I want you to ask about John Mozeliak talking to media members yesterday, obviously about Steven Matz, but also on the offseason needs. And, of course, pitching is something that he spoke about over and over again. But he said something specifically about adding three starters this offseason. How do you interpret that? Do you see that as three starters like shopping or via trade outside the organization or maybe some inside? What do you think that he means by that? Well, I think that he, it's going to be a combination of evaluating what's in your organization, um, moving some assets in order to acquire an established pitcher. And there's going to be a free agent pitcher out there that they may kick the tires on. Um, you know, the, the free agent market isn't as plentiful as one might think. You know, I know people say, well, what about Nola? You know, Nola's a guy who's a workhorse. You know, he gives you 200 innings. But you have to wonder how much are you going to pay him for what he's done or what he can do. And I think that's where teams get themselves jammed up, where they spend money on a guy who had a really good run with another team. And then when you get your hands on him, maybe he's not as good as he used to be. And I always look at a guy like Chris Sale, you know, who everybody thought was the flavor of the month. And they went out, Boston went out and spent a small fortune on him. And it just hasn't worked out and he's because he's had a lot of injuries. So I, I think you have to be careful. And you probably want to have too much pitching, in my opinion, if there is such a thing. Uh, the Cardinals went into this season thinking they had enough, but it was all internal. And I think you have to make sure you bring in some people from outside the organization because the, the dynamics of pitching is changing where we used to be a pitch-to-contact team. You know, just hit it on the ground. You know, we have plenty of guys that, that can catch it. Well, swing and miss is back, and you, you might want to have two or three of those guys around who can get you a strikeout or get them to hit it on the ground to a good defender.
Clays, we were talking about Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson earlier, and it, it seems like when one is healthy, one is injured. The other one is healthy. The other one is injured, or they're both injured. What do you see their future as being for a, for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2024? Well, that's a good question. I I think they're going to listen. I think teams will listen to uh, will make offers. Uh, I don't know how much stock they have at this point because, as you mentioned, they've been injured a lot. Uh, I think they're both really good players. Uh, the question is, can they help you be better? Or better yet, can they help somebody else be better? And if they can, what's the cost going to be for you to be able to get somebody from another organization? So, you know, the, the question is, you have to ask yourself the question, can they stay healthy enough for us to win? That's the first question. Second question is, what is their role? Are they everyday players? Are they fourth outfielders? You know, what are the expectations when you write down what their number should be for, for a whole season? Klaibs, last year the Cardinals drafted Victor Scott II. He, this year in minor league baseball, between A and AA Springfield, is hitting 295, 763 OPS, but 74 stolen bases. So, 1985, we had Vince Coleman come up and set the world on fire. 2025, is that a guy you're hearing about for the Cardinals to come up and set the world on fire? Well, I think he's a guy that probably trends toward the, where the game is going. Uh, you know, when a guy steals that many bases, the first thing you say, well, can he get on base enough in order to do that? You know, I always think about Billy Hamilton, mm-hmm. who was a very good base dealer, but Billy Hamilton couldn't steal first, and hence the reason he he wasn't as effective as you would have thought he was going to be. But, yeah, I think you have to look at him. I, I mean, he, you, you drafted him. You didn't draft him to make sure the Pittsburgh Pirates were going to play him. I think you have to draft him in thinking that he could be part of your future. You know, this this, this game, the way we play it now, is a young man's game. And if you bring the, the skill set to what we've seen initially, and that, and that could change, you know, as he ascends through the organization. But on the surface, it looks like he may have some, some, some added value that the Cardinals don't have on a regular basis. And Claves, one of the things I love, just I've never seen him play, but he's got uh, this year a 295 batting average, but a 367 on base. He's walked 37 times this year uh, with both. Peoria and Springfield. So he's getting on base without the benefit of a hit, which is something a lot of those speedsters like Vince or like Billy Hamilton haven't had the ability to do. That's a good point, Randy. Um, We we saw him a little bit in spring training. He he, he got in some games and, you know, he's a little, he's a slight guy. He's not a big guy. Uh, So you have to wonder will he physically develop as he grows through the organization. But, you know, for the fact that he's willing to take a walk and get on, Uh, I think that's a plus-plus for him because, you know, obviously if he can steal bases. And it'll be interesting to see what sort of tutelage he gets once he solidifies himself in double-A. You know, I don't know who the Cardinals' base-running coach is or, you know, a guy who can go in and say, hey, look, these are the things you ought to be paying attention to when it comes to stealing bases. Because for all we know, he's maybe just as a raw base dealer without the technology that comes with it. You know, one of the things about Lou Brock and Vince Coleman, they, they created base stealing and turned it into a science. Yep. Uh, I mean, they really had this thing calculated to a point where I remember Willie McGee saying his first spring training with the Cardinals, because as you remember, they picked him up in 82. Uh, he said Lou Brock came out to the spring training with a clipboard and a tape measure and a stopwatch. Hmm. And Willie thought he was going to an algebra class at that point. <laughs> you know, nobody comes out and talks about, you know, the, the scientific element of how to steal bases. And Vince Coleman was the same way. 
you know, if you ever talk base stealing with Vince Coleman, I, I guarantee you, you will walk away saying, wow, I just thought it was all about, you know, trying to get from first to second. So you, you have to hope that somewhere within the organization there's a developmental coach that can give him the tools to make his game even more effective. That's a really cool story. Just wanted to go back to pitching real quick, specifically, excuse me, with the bullpen. As we saw last night, Giovanni Gallegos coming in, that was not an ideal situation for him. But Jojo Romero being a bright spot that we were talking about earlier in the show, how do you think the Cardinals will address the bullpen going into next season? Oh, I I think there's some openings out there. Um, You know, I, I don't say this is a lockdown bullpen because of all the blown saves that we've seen this year. I think there's at least three to four spots open out there for next year. Um, you know, last night, and we've seen this before, where Ali, Gallegos is normally your closer. But I felt, and I'm sure Ali did too, the game was really on the line in the seventh inning. You know, it goes back to being a fireman. You know, what we used to see with Al Roboski, Randy, where Al would come in in the seventh inning with two out and get that guy and then come back and finish out the game. Mm-hmm. I think we're trending in that direction again where – don't think you can't use your best relief pitcher always in the ninth inning. Sometimes he's going to have to put out the fire, and sometimes he's going to have to get a four-out save or maybe a five-out save. But because all games are not decided in the ninth inning, um, seventh inning, eighth inning, you, you better have some other people who can do that. Fortunately, the one-two combination of JoJo Romero and Giovanni Gallegos has worked. If Gio hasn't been as good as I know he'd like to be over the last couple of outings. But when he's right, he's a pretty effective pitcher. Clave, Dakota Hudson getting the start tonight, and we were talking earlier about you know this fifth starter going into 2024. I think it's between him, Libertor, and Zach Thompson. Uh, do you think that he's still in their plans? Because if he wasn't, wouldn't they be bringing up a Graceffo or McGreevy to get those guys some, some opportunities late down the season? Well, I think one of the reasons why you probably don't see them is because there's no spot for them on the 40-man roster. That means you'd have to move with some other people. And, and, you know, that could happen. I mean, we're seeing some teams designate some guys on the big league roster to create room for a 40-man spot. But I think that has a lot to do with it also and why we haven't seen those guys as much uh, because of the 40-man roster situation and, and making sure you have a spot for them. Uh, overall, I, I think that Dakota Hudson is going to be in the conversation. You know, I, I think he's certainly accounted for himself reasonably well since he's been back with the team. Uh, he was not effective at the beginning of the year in spring training, and he went down to the minors and honed his skill, and I think he's given them a, a very good accounting of what he's capable of doing. Uh, Klaibs, I've taken the approach with Dakota Hudson, and I love the results, but I tell people consume him without watching him. Just look at the box score at the end of the game because it's a roller coaster ride. If you're going to watch him, he's a pitch maker. He's going to allow some walks. He's going to allow some hits. There's going to be people on base, and he's going to make pitches. But if you don't want to be nervous and you just want to end the day with a, a performance where you have a chance to win, watch it. Well, take it in that way. Yeah, and you know, that's a good way to look at it, Randy. You know, one of the things about the resurgence of Hudson. Uh, Libertor, Matt, they, they're not walking anybody. Mm-hmm. And that was the bugaboo for all three of them. They they, they have uh, command problems, but so far their last few outings, if you look at their walk total, has been way down compared to what we've seen in the past. And I was saying to Ollie the other day, it's amazing how much fun the game is for a pitcher when he throws strikes, and we're seeing that a lot more. And uh, hopefully these guys can build on it for two reasons either to be part of this rotation for next year or be in a deal to go out and get somebody better. You always want to window dress your guys and give them the positive 
exposure. So if another team wants to kick the tires on, they have enough of a sample size to say this guy can help us. Absolutely. Clayton, what's they're going on? Not, they're all not going to be back next year. You're right about that. No doubt. I, I think any, if anybody thinks everybody's going to be back next year, you, you're sadly mistaken. They're going to be, there's going to be some movement within this roster. Yeah. Uh, Clayton, what do you got going on at Clayton's Online? Well, today uh, we're going to have lunch with Clayton and Joe. We normally do it on Monday, but something came up yesterday, so we'll have that today. Uh, Dr. Rick Lehman and his podcast with Rammer is coming up as well. Uh, Thursday, we'll have a walk in the fairway with Nick Ragone and talk about the uh, the world of golf. And uh, the Ascension Charity Golf Classic is just around the corner. And uh, next week, we premiere Huddle Up with Howard Richards, and we'll be talking some NFL. And uh, we'll have to try and strong-arm Kerry Davis to be part of that podcast as well down the road because I know it's his time of the year as well. <laughs> so we've got a few things going on, and uh, – you know, we're just having some fun, man, just trying to give people enough content where we, you can push a button and, and find a sport that you like. So that, that's what we have coming up. That's beautiful. And, Mike, one other thing with the A's in town, and Carrie and I were talking about it. Carrie grew up watching the, the Bash Brothers in that edition of the A's. You and I grew up with the dynasty in the early 70s and, and obviously enjoyed the late 80s, early 90s. How sad it is that that franchise is at the point that it is right now, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah, you know what, Randy, you're right. Um, I, I think the, the A's were trendsetters in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, they were one of the first teams you heard that had some clubhouse issues where guys were fighting in the clubhouse. You didn't hear that in the past. Uh, they were the first guys that wore their hair long and had the well-fashioned mustaches. They were the first team to wear white shoes, and everybody was wearing conventional black shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the uniforms themselves were, were different, a different color than anyone else. And then you move on to the Bash Brother era. I mean, we've never seen two guys mash like that. Now we learn later in life there was a reason why. <laughs> uh, but, you know, overall, you know, they, they were they were Peck's bad boys as far as baseball was concerned for a lot of different reasons. And to see them fall on hard times as they have is just unfortunate. And, and I hope if they elect to move, and it certainly appears that they are, that they can carry some tradition to Las Vegas and, and rejuvenate that organization. Maybe an ownership change wouldn't hurt either because the current ownership group has done very little to really help this ball club compete. Uh, well, I think their payroll is like $57 million. I mean, come on, that, that's, that's embarrassing, you know, with regard to how teams, you know, you have players in the NBA that make more than that in right. a season. Yeah, it's amazing. So, you know, so I, I hope that they can turn it around because the game always needs healthy franchises. Uh, we don't need doormats, and, and the A's have become the league's doormat. You know, they're on course to lose 117 games. That's un, that's unheard of. As I said last night, that's the one team photograph you do not want to be on. Hey, I was see me. I was on the one. I was on that team. 117 <laughs> losses. You don't want to be in that team photograph. I'm sure when they took the team photo, like every team does after the trade deadline, if that was me. I probably would have come up with the flu that day, or yeah. I think maybe COVID, COVID may be on the horizon, so you don't want me around for that photograph. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Claves, as always, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll see you later.
All right. Hey, Brooke, congratulations uh, for the Emmy nomination. I meant to say that earlier. Aww, really yeah. Thank you, and, uh, Waves. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll have some hardware somewhere down the road. Yeah, definitely down the road because the competition is very, very intense yeah. <laughs> for this right. year's you know Emmy what? nomination. We'll go, out celebrate the no- we'll go out and celebrate the nomination. Carry or pick up the tag. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I like that idea. <laughs> thank okay. you, Clay. All right. Thanks, Mike. You guys have a great week. Take care. All right. Thank you, Michael.